Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Real Estate Collab podcast, made by real estate agents with real estate agents. My name is Amy Hagstrom, and I will be your guide and host through the show. I hope this podcast encourages and inspires you to build a business and a network that brings you joy and success. Okay, on this episode of Real Estate Agent Collab, I have Al Wisniewski from Wisconsin joining me today. Welcome, Al. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to chat with me a little bit. Absolutely. I looked forward to this as soon as we started talking. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. This is a new venture for us. So um, we're learning as we go. So thank you for your patience yeah. too. <laughs> Al, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your market and yeah. what you do there? Absolutely. So I'm originally from West Bend and I was born and raised, still live there. Um, it's easiest just to describe it um, as about 30 minutes north of Milwaukee. So we're on the southeast side of the state. So down there, um, I focus on mostly land and farm sales. Like a lot of agents, when they get started, I wanted to do everything um, just to make sure that I survived um, in the industry. So uh, 10 years later, um, kind of transitioned out of being that everything agent to really you know, focusing down on a niche, um, focusing on land and farm. That's just what I'm super passionate about. Um, and that's taken me to some really, really cool uh, places throughout the state and actually places throughout the country um, as I, you know, met with other agents, uh, I know we were in the Surhant coaching uh, program. You were in that as well. Um, mm -hmm. Connected with a ton of agents there, learned about marketing and branding, um, and it's just been a really cool ride. Awesome. So, what made you? You know, in the beginning, we kind of all do all the things to survive. What made you decide to niche down into that field of land and farm? It was really. You know, I think I think part of it was when you first get started, you know, you're excited about every opportunity because you're brand new. You're like, I can't believe these people want to hire me. So you're you're OK with doing that. And then as you kind of get farther into it, you have bad experiences and that crafts your expertise level. And I think that naturally just kind of propels you into wanting to work with specific types of people and then also specific types of properties. And at least that's how it was for me. I, I've always been passionate about the land part of it. And I, I noticed when, you know, a couple years down the road, when I would get a, a call for a house or something like that, a condo, I didn't get super like jacked up about it. Yes, I did it. And, you know, I feel like I did it well. But there was always like, man, I wish these people just had like 40 acres to sell because I could do that so much better. And then, you know, when I started to branch out in, in hiring mentors and coaches and, and really reading a lot more, too, about marketing and branding, a lot of it focused on, you know, you don't have to be that everything agent. You can niche down. And I was very scared to do that, especially in in our market where, you know, we don't have big tracts of land we have smaller building lots and there's not a lot of them the land market down here is super super small and i struggled with that because there was only so much business to go around so i had to get over that and that's kind of where the coaching really paid off was you know it, it's more of a mindset thing of okay there's opportunities everywhere you just gotta you know put yourself out there you know probably work harder uh, to get those opportunities and that's where probably the last two years has really been focused is niching down and really, really hammering down on our, our ideal client and ideal property too. 
Right, right. And I think, so you found your and, Mm -hmm. and our and is that thing that gives us joy, makes us happy in our day-to-day job. And that was the land part of it. So that's really interesting because I was going to say here in my market, land is a super hot commodity, hard to come by. Is it that way there If with your smaller tracks? You, it sounds like it's a smaller market too. Yeah, it's very, it's very small. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of, you know, like I've been talking to a lot of agents that are in the land, uh, I'm sorry, the home space, you know, there's, they're still getting like 30 to 40 offers on these houses and, you know, they're, they're burnt out, they're upset. And like, I, even though I'm in a different niche, I relate to that because if somebody calls me and says, I want a five acres, you know, under 200,000 that I can build a house, it's, it's like maybe 10 of those sell every year um, in our county. And there's a ton of more uh, demand than there is supply down here in that. And it's been that way for a really long time. Um, so it's, it's a lot of the same, you know, headaches, I'll call them, or, you know, disappointment when you don't have anything to show a client. Um, it, it is very, you know, it's very hard. And then clients get upset about that. So I totally relate to that with just the way that, you know, our, our market is, you know, there's just not a lot of supply, even on a good day. Right, right. That's interesting. So when we have a shortage of houses, we pivot, maybe go door knocking, do some lead gen as far as listings go for our clients. How do you do that with land? Is there a different process? Do you do it's anything? actually interesting that it a lot of the things you can do for houses, you can do for land. So we've actually, and I've been working with Sirhant on this too of, okay, I have, you know, I'm, I'm going to get buyer leads, right? People that want to buy something, but I don't have anything to show them. And so we do a, a qualify, uh, an application actually where, you know, we get to know that person better rather than just say, yes, I can find you this or yes, let's just set up an automated search and you get notifications. There's certain qualifications that we like. And, and one of them is the type of property, how big the budget, if they don't meet a certain budget, there's, there's a good chance that I'm not even going to be able to really find anything for them. So I get to know them. I get to know what they want to do, um, their time frame, if they have a house to sell, how they're going to finance it. Um, if they're paying cash. Um, and then from there, we actually do outreach uh, to these property owners. And that's through uh, direct mail campaigns and text messaging, actually. Um, and so it, it's really easy for me to do, to pull lists of, of property owners that meet certain criteria. Um, our MLS does a great job of giving us access to, to tax records, to property records and list building. So if one, once we have that list, we really just start our outreach and try to, and really try to connect you know, a buyer to that property, it, it most likely will be an off-market property. Um, but we always keep an eye on the MLS too, because you just never know, you know, what's going to pop up that day. And, and I've actually had um, properties that I've reached out to, I've talked to the owner, but they just have a really strong relationship with a different agent. And so our outreach actually sparks them to post the property for sale. So it's just, it's basically, you know, being a market maker at that point. And I, I know Ryan Sirhan talked about that during COVID. Um, when thing, when the low inventory market was really bad. <clears throat> um, and so we just basically crafted that for ourselves. Wow, that's great. We can all learn how to be a market maker because we can all sit back here and say, there's nothing to sell you. I'm sorry. Yeah. But to go that extra step and stand out above and beyond those other agents too is going to be. Yeah. And I, I wish I could say it works all the time, but there's <laughs> just certain, like, like where we are, properties stay in the same family for 
maybe 50 years at times, you know, and it's like those people won't, it doesn't matter if you offer them $10 million, they're just not going to sell. And it's, it has to do with, you know, it, it is very rare to find good properties down here that you can build on and people like them and they hang on to them. So it, it is to enter the barrier to entry is, is hard, you know, and it's really just people hang on to their property. Right. Right. So just sort of curiosity, what is like your average price per acre there? just comparatively speaking to here and does that vary? I'm sure. Yeah. If I had to just do a general blanket, I would say average is probably 8,000 per acre okay. um, on a larger piece. Some of these 10 acre ones that we've been selling are between 20 and 30. Okay. Do you, does that include like hunting ground too? Is that part of your scope? Uh, sometimes most of like, I would say an average piece for us um, down here is going to have about 50% open and then 50% wooded or, or maybe even like lower marshy areas. It's, it's kind of a mixed, a mixed bag. Okay. Interesting. So I want to pivot a little bit. Um, just getting to know you, it sounds like you are a fellow introvert very. from your bio, your website. Um, I thought that was very interesting because that's, I'm not quiet about me being a total introvert, shy, never thought I'd be selling houses and real estate and all of the things. It sounds like you've, you've tried to break through that barrier too. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I was the shyest of the shy, I feel like, in, in <laughs> mostly in grade school and high school. I didn't like being called on in school. Even if I thought I was going to be called on in school, like I would be so anxious. I get sweaty. Like it, it was, it was so bad. I hated giving presentations and it was, it wasn't so much like in my small group, group settings either. Like I, that was, I was comfortable, right. Or with family, I was comfortable, but anything outside of that, it was scary. I mean, it was not fun at all. Like it was, you wanted to break through it. Um, and you, and you wanted to maybe give a presentation or you wanted to talk to somebody, but you just couldn't like it, you, you physically and mentally couldn't. And it wasn't really until I had, we, we had to take speech class in high school and knowing that that was coming up, I think, it, I think it's senior year. They make you do it. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is going to be the end of me. Like I'm going to fail this class and it's going to be so bad. But we, thankfully there, it was a really cool teacher. You know, she, she could read the class really well and, and know kind of who needed maybe extra encouragement and, and make it not so intimidating. Um, and that was that class. It wasn't where I broke through, but it at least was a step in that um, to really, you know, stand up in front of 20 or 30 people and, 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 talk and just be the center of attention. I hated being the center of attention. So that that was probably the first step. And then when I went to um, college, I actually almost decided not to go to college for just being an introvert and not wanting to put myself out there. That was one of the main reasons I didn't want to go. So I, I actually just forced myself. I was like, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of West Bend and I need to go uh, to college, be in a totally different city with complete strangers. And I, I didn't focus so much on the grades and stuff. I mean, I did well, I was, I don't even know, three, two, maybe GPA, like I was fine. I was always, you know, a, a higher GPA person, but I, I didn't focus on my studies so much as I just wanted to improve as a person and become, you know, more extroverted, experience stuff. Yes, you know, you got college parties and stuff like that helps too. Like, I'm not going to shy away and say I was like the perfect student. But that that was a 
probably the second step um, that made me get out of that. And then I would say the third one was actually getting into real estate because I tried to do it where, you know, I'm just going to sit behind the computer all day and hope, hope that people reach out to me and see me as a good person. And that's enough to get me by it. Th this career has just made me and forced me to, you know, keep investing in myself, you know, talk to complete strangers doing this would never have been on my radar in high school. Mm -hmm. I do podcasts all the time. Now I record videos all the time now. And the next big thing for me is to get in front of uh, stages, get on stages, uh, in person, online. Um, and uh, actually yesterday I was just doing a presentation to, uh, the realtors land Institute, um, on marketing. Um, that was an online, uh, stage. So, it's just been it's been crazy, and I I look back at that, and it's like, if I feel like if I I know people say it, if I can do it, other people can do it. Like I was the shyest of the shy. Interesting, yeah. They the the real estate profession is kind of stigmatized that you have to be those outgoing, in your face people, like car salesmen, like you know, and everybody draws their own clients. You know, you attract clients like yourself. I attract clients myself. We don't have to be those people. And I think people just get hung up on the fact that any kind of personality can do this business. Mm -hmm. I've never aspired to be on stage whatsoever. Um, but I feel like almost every day is uncomfortable, especially the last couple of years. I'm trying to push through some of those things. Like, I did some public speaking this year. Um, I became the board or president of our local board. So I had to do this big speech and I didn't die. <laughs> and um, now I'm doing this podcast, but video is my next thing, but I'll get through it. So yeah. um, I remember my first video, I signed up for a, a course and it was, it was a weekend and I think it was in July or September and it was, uh, the listings lab, it's called a really good, really good mentor, really mm -hmm. good program. But the first thing you had to do when you joined it was record a video of introducing yourself and post it in the Facebook group that they had. And there's like 3000 people in there. I think it took me an hour for a 30 second video because I kept doing it. I was like, oh my gosh, that sounded so stupid. Like people are going to do whatever. And then finally, I just, I just did it, posted it. And everyone was like, oh, hey, welcome. Like it, it was good feedback. And I'm like, I'm not, I know it wasn't the greatest video. But that was kind of a point for me where it's like, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, people will judge and it, it's a, that's a tough pill to swallow, but you know, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. <laughs> and I laugh at myself all the time when I do it and like, oh, I was messed that up for sure. You know, and then you just do it again and you get better and better. Right. Right. We just have to push ourselves out there. So, um, I noticed also that you are, it sounds like you're heavily involved in your community. You're in several groups. You just spoke in front of a group. Were you, were you originally involved in those groups or have you decided to do that throughout your real estate career? Get more involved. Yeah, that's probably, I would say in like the past five years is really when I started to get into that. And so just like a timeline. So I got, I got my broker's license in 14. I started right out of college. So that was 2014. And so it probably wasn't until 2019. So I was, you know, four or five years in the business that I started to look around for other things to get involved with. And it was, to be completely honest, it was more to just like, hopefully get business out of it. Like that was my intention. And I realized probably now that it was the wrong way to go about it because 
when I was at the meetings or I was meeting people, I would always think about like, oh my gosh, I hope this person gives me a referral or something. Like mm -hmm. it was, it wasn't the right mindset to go into them. And it's not like I was a bad person or whatever, but I probably didn't get enough out of it or give enough to those groups. And so I, I'm part of some really, really good boards and committees now. And I, I picked ones that I actually felt passionate about. Like the Realtors Land Institute is the one where I'm on their board for the local chapter. That is an organization and a cause and a, a niche that I, I absolutely love and I do it every day. And I, I don't expect anything back in return for that. The Cedar Lakes uh, Conservation Foundation is is local to where I grew up, the, the neighborhood that I grew up. It's about preserving land. I think they're almost at 3,000 acres right now. So I'm on uh, their finance committee and their uh, public relations committee. And, you know, that's another one that it's just, it, it means a lot to me and I don't expect anything um, in return for that. So I, I noticed as I, as I started in groups and boards and committees from where I started to now, it's, uh, you just gotta, you gotta have the right intention for it to actually make a difference in like how you interact and how you work with people. So that, that's probably been the biggest learning curve that way. Right, right. And I think it makes us better at our craft, too. The more knowledgeable we are, the more we can talk to the public about different things. And you develop those relationship, relationships and eventually the business just comes. Yep. Yep. Just I stopped worrying about I stopped worrying about the result of maybe I'll get three listings, maybe I'll get three buyers. <laughs> and I just stopped like like thinking about it. And it, it's amazing the amount of stress that gets off of your shoulders when you're actually just in there to do the right thing. Absolutely. Question for you. So if you if you were talking to a new agent just getting into the business now, discussing with how they can make their business unique to them, find their and, what would you tell them? I love that question. And I'm going I'm to think back to when I first started. Okay. I, I wish I would have started earlier. I, I did it part-time for a while and I needed to is just, that's just how it was. I didn't know what I was doing at all. I didn't even know what the MLS was. Um, I was like, <laughs> this thing is sweet. Like here's all these properties on here. And so what I, what I do is I'd start, if you're on the fence, I would 100% jump in full-time if you can, obviously there's circumstances that, that prevent that. I totally get that. Um, so start early. And then I, <clears throat> I would, I didn't have many, like YouTube channels or anything like that. When I first started, like I know Ryan was probably selling and stuff, but I would pick one person to follow that's in the craft, whether that be Ryan Serhant, whether that like, I'm a big Grant Cardone guy. I love the way that he just outreaches people. And like, he's a total extrovert. So I, I would, you know, start early, pick someone to follow. And then, you know, just realize that experience comes at a cost. And that's going to be, whether you spend money on a marketing campaign and you get zero return on it, whether you go to a listing appointment and you feel like it went super, super well, and you end up not getting the listing, they give it to somebody else, um, a deal falls through, you know, it, it all comes at a cost and, and it's mental, it's physical. You don't think like sitting at a computer can be physically draining, but it, it, it can be going to showings, driving around. Um, so kind of to summarize that, you know, start early, get a really good mentor, whether it's free or paid. I, I totally recommend paid um, if you can. And then just realize those experiences do, do come with a cost. But the best thing you can do is just be patient and and let the let the career, let the craft like come to you 
you know, the more that you try to, to control things and force things, I think the farther you're going to be from getting your goals, because you're just going to be, you know, burning out um, and, and not really enjoying the, the career. Right, right. It's hard to not get excited about like, when am I going to get my first listing and all the things, but mm-hmm. I think as we're more consistent, it does pay off eventually. It's yeah. just different for everyone too. And we could probably speak for days on different marketing tactics and, and all that other stuff. And, you know, I, I started with a, I think it was a six by nine postcard that I designed and looking back, I, I wish I still had it cause it was horrible, but I'm like, <laughs> you know what, when I sent those every day, I was like, this thing's going to get it for me. Like, this is the magic bullet. And I got nothing from them. And so I, you know, you just start researching online, like, okay, what are other agents doing? What are, you know, and, and you, and you try them and yeah, they don't, sometimes they don't work, but you know, sometimes you do get a person to call you and, and that's the start of a learning experience. Okay. This worked now, maybe I fine tune it, roll it into something else. I, to this day, this, the number one thing that I get listings from is direct mail. And I started that when I was just getting started. And it's just changed over the past 10 years. Interesting. So I guess, tell me more about your direct mail. That's interesting. Like you don't hear that a lot, that it's your number one lead generation. And so do you do, do you farm? Do you do like an EDDM? What are, is there anything specific you'd like to share that you do do that's yeah, successful? Yeah. So I, I think for, for my niche, at least, the the direct mail works really good because it's it's a lot of i'd say older older clientele they're used to getting mail obviously some gets considered as junk mail and they just go right in the garbage i'm sure but it started with what i was comfortable doing i'm not a cold caller i'm not i'm not that person so i needed to focus okay what what can i do every day no matter what like it was always five letters per day to somebody. It could be an expired listing. It could have been, you know, just some guy that had a really cool property that I just wanted to talk to. And, and they would, I would do five a day, no matter what, um, Monday through Friday. And it started out as that little junky postcard that I did. Um, and then from there, you start to get other ideas from agents that uh, this is what they've done. You craft your own message from it. Um, sometimes my parents or family members would get uh, something from an agent and I'd look at it and I'd be, wow, this looks really cool. Like I'm going to add this to mine. I've gotten investor letters before. I'm like, wow, this looks cool. Um, and so it's really transformed over the years of, you know, doing five a day. And then we were doing whole counties, you know, any uh, properties, three acres or more. I I think in 2021, we spent almost 65,000 on direct mail and those were postcards to counties. Um, when we get a listing, we do it. That was a very expensive learning experience because I did not make that money back. I, I will be completely honest. I spent about 65000 I probably made about twenty. But oh, wow. I learned from that because it taught me that, A, your design, yeah, it's important, but your messaging is probably more important. And also, you can't just throw money at a problem and expect to get that back right away. Now there's people that maybe will call me in two or three years from that mailer. Um, I won't completely write it off, but it it taught me to be more intentional with messaging, targeting who I wanted. And so that since the last year, we've gotten a lot better at that, you know, focusing more on properties that are higher quality and that we think we could actually sell versus getting 
you know, some junky properties from some guy in California or something that, you know, we just don't want to work with anyways. Um, and so that, that, that was a very expensive learning experience, <laughs> well, but I needed to go to through this. it. I needed to go through right. it. Right. Which, I mean, we all fail a few times, you never know. And then you tweak it as you go. And I do the same thing when I get stuff in the mail. I have this collection of other agents marketing materials and we look through it and get all kinds of ideas and, you know, change things up. So yep. it's always great. interesting because I know I, when, when I first started, I didn't want to share anything with agents. I'm like, they're going to steal it and they're going to take all my business and I'm going to go out of business. But it, it's super interesting because the same agent could send, or I'm sorry, two different agents could send the same marketing materials to the same list and they might get totally different results at the mm -hmm. same time. It, it's just, there's so many opportunities out there and something might click. It might even be your name. Maybe they just like your name versus the other person. And that's what makes them reach out to you. Absolutely. Or your picture. It just, it just depends. Like mm -hmm. we, going back to, we draw our people really. So, um, so with that, since we all kind of rip off and duplicate, tell me <laughs> more about your, the best collaboration experience you've had or the most valuable collaboration experience you've had? Besides this one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like this one. This is really cool. Well, um, I So it, it was really fun because during COVID, when COVID was, you know, just like still kind of there and they were doing the, what do you call them? Lockdowns or social dis I don't even know what they called it anymore. But me and my uncle Andy started a podcast and he owns a, a jewelry store in West Bend here. And it's, I think it's third generation. And he was listening to Gary V and he's like, you know what you got to do? You got to start a podcast for your local community. And so we, we did that. We recorded, I think five episodes. It started in his jewelry store. And then uh, we recorded a couple episodes in our gazebo that's on our family property. And it was like, we were kind of rebels, you know, cause you're like, well, you're not supposed to be so close to people. And like, he wasn't deemed essential. So they were closed. I was still, you know, essential, you know, quote unquote, um, however they come up with that definition. <laughs> and so like, we we're kind of just like out in the wild west, just like recording these episodes. And like, it was all the local community. Um, it was just us like spitballing. We had no script at all. Um, and it was just super, it was super fun. Um, so that was kind of another thing where I, you know, I was like, man, I really don't want to be on camera. I don't want to record anything, but we did it anyways. Right. Right. I love that. Is it, do you still have it? Uh, the episodes are still up. Um, it was called the Washington County small business podcast. Um, so there are the, I think there's five episodes, but we haven't, yeah, we haven't done anything with that since, um, he, he still does his own podcast for the jewelry store. Um, and then I okay. started my own, this land is your land for, for our real estate business here. Oh, awesome. Okay. I'll have to make sure I check it out. So, um, tell me, do you have a favorite word? <laughs> I do. Uh, it's not appropriate for a podcast. Um, everything's I, appropriate on my, yeah, I say it all the time. Um, <laughs> boy, a favorite word. I, I, so this is going to sound so cliche, but I do like the word land. Okay. So anything that I do, like I was actually doing that, that, uh, presentation yesterday and it was, it's a four part, a four part series. And so I wanted a topic for each series. And then I just started with, okay, I want it to be land. Like part one is L part two is a part three is N and part four is D. And then I just made it kind of work. I always just kind of focus around like that word for some reason, when I see it, it just sparks a lot of stuff in me. Right. Right. 
That's my other favorite word's a four letter word. It starts with F, but it doesn't really, you know, I'm not going to say it on here. I'm partial to that one too. Yeah. It just fits every, it fits every scenario. It really does. (laughs) Really does. So what do you think um, the future holds for real estate? How do you think that looks for us? That is a, I love that question. Um, When I first started, I would Google are real estate agents going out of business? Are they going to be replaced? And it puts so many negative, negative thoughts in my head. I wish I could have that time back. And that was, that was almost 10 years ago. And I know there was a lot of talk with iBuyers, um, stuff like that, all this new AI stuff. It just, it, to me at least, and I could be completely wrong, it feels like the role of the agent has actually gotten stronger. There was a flood, as I'm sure you know, of new agents that started in, you know, COVID after COVID the last couple of years, you know, easy to sell, sell properties, you know, it, it was, it, it's still crazy, you know, and I, I think what's going to separate the agents that keep going and the agents that don't is, you know, if, if you're on social media right now posting that you had a hundred showings and 30 offers you know, people don't care about that anymore. Like it's almost, it's mm-hmm. almost common now and you're not doing anything special. And so the ones that are going to survive that uh, and, and keep going and get stronger are going to be the ones that build trust through social media. Uh, yeah, that's one way, you know, being on video, having a really good website like you do that just basically, you know, sells it for you. So they're going to build that trust. They're going to have that stronger relationship. It's not going to be all about stats, what you've sold, what you have active right now. Um, testimonials will help. So the, the ones that can do that, I think, are going to be the ones that actually you know, continue to do business. I think it's still going to be a little bit of a rough ride um, right now because there are a lot of agents still. So that you, know, you might have sold you know, 10 properties the last six months. Maybe you're going to sell five because of the competition for, for listings and stuff. But if you can ride that out, those agents more likely than not that, you know, aren't, are, are basically, you know, family friends right now and they can't take it to that next level to get complete strangers to trust them. Um, mm-hmm. I, that, that's where I think a lot of the fallout we've been seeing. Um, I know our local association, I think it dropped like 33% or something last year, just the enrollment. You're going to see a lot more of that people retiring from the career because, you know, if somebody's retiring, you know, or, or wants to retire, they're not going to want to deal with all the BS that's going on right now as an agent. Um, so you, I think you see a lot of those people retiring. So it's a, to me, it's a tremendous opportunity to hang in there and get market share. We talk about market share a lot and, and really just hone our craft, niche down, partner with great mentors, you know, be a market maker. That's what I think is going to separate us and, and keep us going. Love that. I think um, getting back to the relationships and just the human touch the human interaction, people are craving that again, you know, so I love that. Yeah. There will always be a place for, you know, tech, uh, you know, uh, online mortgage applications, you know, great. It helps, it helps us out, um, helps mortgage lenders out. We use a lot of tech with, you know, forms and e-signatures and stuff like that. Um, so I, I, I think our, the backend stuff will be a lot easier um, and a lot more efficient but that human to human thing, I think if anything came out of COVID that was really good was that people need that. And I think they want that. And it probably got stronger than than what it was before. Definitely. 
Well, Al, I appreciate your time today. Do you want to tell everyone how they can connect with you if they're looking for someone in your area? I'm probably an older school guy. I love email. Like that is my okay. bread and butter is email. Um, but yeah, so my email is al at landonlegacygroup.com. That's all spelt out. But all the social media I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. The most updated one is probably Instagram and maybe YouTube. Um, those are kind of the two where I spend most of my time. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time today, Al, and thank you. It was great getting to know you and um, look forward to speaking with you again. Yeah, definitely. 